You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals for Monday, January the 24th of 2022. Thanks for tuning in today and each and every day that you tuned in. Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Lucas Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at LJFastball. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right there. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, got some new Locked On swag. Got a Locked On t-shirt that I'm rocking today. You're walking some more Locked On swag throughout the week. But today we're going to talk about pitching. And for those of you that have listened for a long time, since my first days back in uh, August of 2020, you know that I love me some pitching. Pitching is, to to me, uh, a good pitcher will beat a a good offensive hitter more times than not, in my humble opinion. If you disagree, let me know in the YouTube section or email me at lockedoncards.gmail.com. DM on Twitter, whatever you need to do. But we're going to talk about pitching because pitching early in 2021 is really what saved the Cardinals' uh, season. Uh, there were times when this team wasn't hitting. And don't get me wrong, there were times when this team was not pitching either. I know was, you know, when I did the intro on YouTube right there, some of you might be screaming at me, whatever you might be doing right now. Whoa, this Cardinal pitching staff was terrible at certain points this season. Totally agree. This, this pitching staff could not throw strikes. The bullpen faltered a little bit midway through the season. I understand that. But when this team wasn't hitting, which was for a larger portion of the season, I think that we remember, when this team pitched, they won. That that was the, the name of the game. Was, was pitching wins games for the St. Louis Cardinals team, which is why I think it's so important to discuss what we can expect in 2022. And uh, we, we will have an update on the labor agreement uh, negotiations a little bit later on in the show. Talk about that. Give my thoughts on that. Um, coming up a little bit, speaking of the 2022 season. But when you look at the 2021 season, when you look at the starting rotation, they had a lot of names in there that the Cardinals did not expect to have. Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon lost his job, so you had to throw Johan Oviedo in there. John Gant had it, but lost his job. You had Wade LeBlanc make some starts. You even had... J.A. Happ and John Lester make some starts, which are a couple of names that I know the Cardinals were not expecting to have in their rotation at any point in the season until really, until it happened. Uh, it was when that became expected. Um, but it was just at, at points this season, whenever Jack Flirty went hurt, or got hurt, excuse me, that was really uh, the, the tipping point for me, in my opinion, as to when this starting rotation really started to falter was when it lost Jack Flaherty. And there were times that last season that Adam Wainwright was the only one pitching, that Adam Wainwright was the ace of the staff. We'll talk about Wainwright in a little bit, but I want to start with Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty, we all know, highly touted prospect, somebody that, that is a really dominating pitcher when he's at the top of his game, had one of the most dominant second halves in all of baseball in all of baseball history in 2019, great year in 2019. But just really, since then, hasn't always lived up to the hype. He had a 4.91 ERA in a shortened season in 2020, and that was mainly due to a couple of bad starts because he was only able to make nine starts in the shortened season. But again, this is somebody who finished fifth in the Rookie of the Year voting in 2018 when he was 8-9 with a 3-3-4 ERA and 28 starts. He struck out 182 batters in 151 innings that year, had a 116 ERA plus and a 3-8-6 fielding independent pitching. Not terrible. Not bad. And again, 2019, we all know, 11-8, but a 2-7-5 ERA, 196 and then 30 innings pitch, 231 punch outs, 152 ERA plus. It's, it was a phenomenal season. 
And then last year, as I mentioned, 491 ERA in the nine starts, an ERA plus of 86. So you say, okay, you chuck that up to it was, it was a weird year. It wasn't able to stay sharp. It was, it was just odd. He'll, he'll be better in 2021. And for the first portion of the season, boy, oh boy, was he ever. You look at his first um, first half starts in 2021, when he made his 11 starts, he was 8-1 with a 2-9 ERA. He had 9.7 strikeouts per nine, 62 innings. He, was, he struck out 67 batters. was phenomenal. Had a 1.03 whip. That's exceptionally good. Had a really good first half of the season until he went down with with the injury when he swung the bat uh, against the Los Angeles Dodgers that first start of June and wasn't able to really come back again until uh, much later on in the season. We'll take a look at his game logs in just a bit. But, but you know, I don't want to seem too harsh. I don't want to be too harsh on Jack Flaherty saying that he didn't live up to the hype or has not lived up to the hype. I recognize that he was very good in the first half of 2021. Ace level. I mean, there's a definite argument there where that when you go 8-1 and one in 11 starts with a 2-9 ERA across 62 innings, that's ace level. He was pitching phenomenally well. 3.3 strikeouts per walk, so he wasn't walking a lot of batters. Like I said, 1.03 whips, so not a lot of base runners per inning because whip is walks plus hits over innings pitched. It's roughly how many base runners the pitcher is allowing per inning. He was very good. Then he got hurt. Jack Flaherty, um, his last start was May 31st. I said June. It was my mistake. That series bled into June. Uh, But May 31st against the Dodgers, five innings, two-word runs, and had to leave after just 83 pitches. And then he doesn't make another start until August 13th. And then his next two starts after that against the Kansas City Royals and the Milwaukee Brewers are very good starts. In his start against Kansas City at Kansas City, six innings pitched, two hits, no-word runs, five punch-outs. He just only threw 81 pitches because they were trying to ease him back in. 52 strikes, pretty solid overall. Next start against the Milwaukee Brewers at home. Six innings, four hits, two earned runs, a walk, eight punch outs. Did give up the two solo bombs. So he was unable to keep the ball in the ballpark a lot. But 92 pitches, 56 strikes. 16 looking, eight swinging. Got nine ground balls on the day. That's a pretty solid start. Again, if you go six innings, give up two earned runs every time out, you're going to make some money, right? Uh, but then he, he makes a start five days later against Detroit, in which he only goes two winnings, gives up four earned runs. He walked three in that start, uh, only threw 46 pitches, and then does not make another start until, or does not make another appearance, excuse me, until his start on September the 24th uh, at Chicago. I was actually at that start, and that was not a good start. Uh, gave up two earned runs, only recorded one out, um, and then his next two appearances came out of the bullpen, um, one was five days later on the 29th against Milwaukee, and the other was uh, at home against the Chicago Cubs. Both of those scoreless outings. So when you look at Jack Flaherty's season, there, there, there's a mixed bag of results, in my opinion. He was an ace early, struggled with injury, and he struggled even just in general after that. But then his, his final two appearances looked pretty solid. The numbers were pretty solid. That that leaves you for uh, room for... for for good feelings heading into 2022, and he needs to be the ace. Jack Flaherty, this is his time. I'm not saying this is a make-or-break season for Jack Flaherty or anything like that. Not, anything like that. I'm not trying to be, you know, whatever there. But I do think that Jack Flaherty, it's time for him to step up and be an ace for 162 games, for 30 to 32 starts, 180, 190, 200 innings. Step up, be the ace that we all know he can be. This isn't like, ooh, he showed it. I don't know if it's a fluke. No. He has shown it multiple times. He showed it at you know 
for the entire second half of 2019, parts of his rookie year before that, a couple starts in 2020, and for the first half of 2021, and his two starts right after injury, and the bullpen near the end of it, outside that one mishap in Chicago. This is not a doubting of talent. It's not. This is not, for instance, the same way it was a make-or-break year for Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill and Paul DeYoung last year. Or, you know, I say that, and I'm giving Paul DeYoung slightly a pass, and I, and I talked about that a couple episodes ago, that Paul DeYoung, with injuries, still want to see where he does. But Jack Flirty, it's time to step up. And I'm not, like, accusing, but I, I think that this will be the season he does step up. That, that's what I'm saying. I think Jack Flirty is going to have a full off season of rest full off season of, of, of a healthy rest and come back healthy in 2022, just like he was able to do to start 2021. You know, hopefully we have a DH in 2022 so that Flaherty isn't hurt swinging a back, doesn't strain anything, swinging a bat at, during a game that he can still just go out there and do what he's paid to do, and that's pitch. Jack Flaherty has the kind of stuff, he has the kind of demeanor, you know, he, he, he was under the wing of Bob Gibson, for crying out loud. He has the stuff, he has the demeanor, he has the attitude, he has the makeup of an ace. Explosive fastball, wipeout slider, the changeup's coming along, curveball's pretty solid. This is somebody that could lead the Cardinals staff for years to come. And all due respect to Adam Wainwright, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, if Adam Wainwright is your ace of the staff, that probably means your staff isn't at the top level. And that was true for a lot of the season last year. So I really expect good things from Jack Flaherty. I think Flaherty will step up. But he needs to be the ace. Because you look at the game log, some of the, the performances he had last year, they were really, really solid. You know, he struggled opening day against Cincinnati, comes back out, throws six shutout innings against the Marlins. He had um, a nine strikeout performance against the Pittsburgh Pirates, a seven strikeout performance again against the Pirates, a nine strikeout performance against the Dodgers in that game that he got hurt. And again, I know wins and losses aren't everything, but he started out the season 8-0 and in his first nine starts. The only one that he didn't make a decision in was that first game when the Cardinal offense bailed him out. But again, he was having a phenomenal season to start until he got hurt. So this will be the season for Jack Flaherty, in my opinion, to become the, the true bona fide ace of the staff. Not three, borderline two, one on a great day. The ace, the guy. Oh, he's going to be the opening day starter, barring any injury. Knock on wood, I just did it on my desk. <laughs> Jack Flirty is going to step up and be the ace. He's got the stuff to do it. Now the question is, who steps up behind him? What's the rest of the rotation going to look like? Because for the most part, the Cardinals, in my opinion, have their five starters. It's going to be Flaherty, Wainwright, Matz, Michaelis, Hudson. Those are going to be your five. And any one of them, you can pick any order after Flaherty is your one, and I would be willing to bet Wainwright's your two. But those are your five. But you've got Alex Reyes waiting in the wings as well. So the interesting things to talk about, but what can the rest of this staff do to be successful, because you got two guys, or yeah, two guys that are going to be coming off of injury, largely into injured seasons. One guy that's going to be entering his swan song, another guy that's going to be starting his Cardinal career. Lots of storylines, lots to discuss. We'll talk about it coming up in just a moment. But if you're getting hungry, you know, we're at just over a 10 minute mark of this podcast, maybe you want to go grab a snack, but you want it to be a healthy snack. Well, I hope you have some built bars handy. And if not, I'm going to tell you why you need to get a built bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I would even say it, it tastes better than a candy bar. And Built Bars, every single one of them, are covered 100% in chocolate. And here is how healthy these Built Bars are. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your candy bar. usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, and no protein. 
So get the bang for your buck and be sure to get a healthy Built Bar that tastes incredible. And if you're trying to work out more in this new year, maybe you eat a Built Bar instead of working out, you can still say that you were extremely healthy that day. If I haven't enticed you enough, be sure to go to Built.com and enter the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. One more time, be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. In my opinion, as, as important as a bullpen can be to a team, and this Cardinal bullpen needs to step up in 2022. I, I've talked about that. I'll talk about that more throughout this offseason. I think the starting rotation especially early on, is key. Can your starters go six to seven innings instead of four to five innings? Because we saw what happens last year. We saw what happened last year when the starters were only able to go three to five innings. It attacks the bullpen, and the bullpen stepped up big time to start the season. But then you saw, uh, for you longtime listeners will know, the Cardinal fans will know, we saw the big three of Cabrera, Gallegos, and Reyes falter because they were overused. Because they had to be, because the starters weren't going deep, and you didn't really have a lot of other trustable bullpen pieces. So the starting rotation, in my opinion, early in the season especially, needs to step up and needs to be on their game. And behind Jack Flaherty, you have some exciting pieces. You have Adam Wainwright that stepped up big time last year. And in case you forgot, he was top 10 in the Cy Young voting. He was 17-7 and with a 3.05 ERA. He started 32 games, led the league, that's right, 30 nine-year-old Adam Wainwright led the league with three complete games, had 206 in the third innings, pitched an ERA plus of 127, just a phenomenal season. That ERA, by the way, 3.05, that was his lowest in a full season, in a full healthy season since 2014. The two asterisks I'll put on that, he had a 161 ERA in 2015, but he only made seven uh, appearances for those starts, and he did have a 315 ERA um, in 2020, shortened season 10 starts. The 32 starts, most he's made since 2016 when he made 33 starts. Rejuvenated, he was wonderful, he was fantastic, and as I mentioned, arguably, or even definitively, the ace of the staff in 2021. Now, it's hard for me to continue to bet against Adam Wainwright, and I'm not saying to bet against Adam Wainwright, but what I am saying to do is be cautious about what to expect from a guy like Adam Wainwright. Do I think he's going to go out there and win 17 games and have a sub-three ERA for majority of the season? No. I think he can win the Cardinals 12 to 15 games. And my expectations going into this year for Adam Winner are arguably the same as they were going into last year. Because last year I said if if he can get 28 to 30 starts, win 10 to 12 ballgames, I'm saying a little bit more this year, but roughly the same, and have an ERA sub-four, three and a half would be a, I think that's a solid expectation for him. The low threes, again, when, when he starts at home, he's he's unbelievable. Same thing with Dwack Flaherty. But I think the realistic expectation for me, for, for Adam Wainwright, again, 28 to 30 starts, sub-4 ERA. This is a cliche. I said it a lot. But he's got to keep his team in the game. Again, I'm not expecting Adam Wainwright to go out there and compete for a Cy Young Award in 2022. He was 7th in Cy Young voting in 2021. That's competing for a Cy Young Award. Don't like just hear me now. That was competing for a Cy Young Award. He was not the favorite. I don't think anybody. I don't recall him getting any first place votes. But that's competing for a Cy Young Award. He was up there in the conversation. 
but he's going to be, I, I think he's going to start as a number two. I think, but I think throughout the season, it'll work itself out where you might see a Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis, or Steven Matz gain the number two starting rotation spot. And here's why. You've got some ground ball pitchers. I talked about this a lot when Steven Matz was first signed. His ground ball percentage is really solid. According to BaseballReference.com, the batted ball and advanced pitching section, for Toronto last year, his ground ball percentage was 45.6%. For his career, it's 46.5%. League average, according to BaseballReference.com, 43.6%. You go over to Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson gets some... Get some crap, okay? But over the last four years, the MLB average, the ground ball average for uh, when I mentioned Stephen Matz was over the last seven. Over the last four years, from 18 to 21, according to BaseballReference.com, the ground ball average is 42.8%. Dakota Hudson's is 57.5%. That's remarkable. And you throw in the fact that you have the Cardinal defense behind you of Nolan Arenado, likely Paul DeYoung, Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, not a lot of ground balls are going to get through. And you even look more into Dakota Hudson's stats. He had a hard hit percentage last year of 15.4%. Granted, that was only over eight and two-thirds of an inning, so I understand that. But even go a year before, it was a little high at 40%. He's sitting right at league average in terms of hard hit percentage over the course of his career. 39.1% of hard hits right there. His line drive percentage is low at 22.7%. But the ground ball percentage is the key Key stat for me for Dakota Hudson. I think Dakota Hudson gets a bad rap. Yes, his filling independent pitching was high in 2020. It was 4.5, and it was even high in 2019 at 4.93. But in 2019, he pitched 174 and two-thirds of an innings, had 16 wins, and an ERA of 3.35, an ERA plus of 125. All those numbers are exceptional. He was fifth in the Rookie of the Year voting. He had a whip of 1.4. That's a tad tall. But he was just consistent. He was dependable. Made 33 appearances, 32 of those starts. In a shortened season in 2020, 2.77 ERA. He was 3-2, 39 innings pitched, a whip of 1. He was only walking, uh, or only allowing one base runner per inning on average, give or take. He had a 152 ERA plus. Really solid season. Solid. And then in last year, in the uh, two games that he appeared in, one start, he was 1-0 and 8 and two-thirds of a total inning. And again, his ERA plus was 195, but that was, again, only over eight innings, so I understand that. But I think Dakota Hudson could, could really step into his own, and, and you know, I'm not saying become a household name, but the, the thing of it is, I think Matt, Michaelis, or Dakota Hudson, all these guys, on a good day, can really be something something solid. Let's look at the ground ball percentage for Miles Michaelis as well. You have 48.2% in his first year as a Cardinal uniform in 2018. 2019, when it was his down year, 47.4%. Then last year, in 44 innings, people think, I guess I forgot that he pitched 44 innings, 52.1%. All those numbers are above the league average across his six major league years. And for the year overall, he was 2-3, and three, ERA of 4.23, uh, had a 92 ERA plus, so again, nothing solid. But I think if Miles Michaelis can be your five, because I really do think that you know he's getting up there in age, he's going to be pitching in his age 33 season. Stephen Match is going to 31. 
Dakota Hudson going into his age 27 season. But if Miles Michaelis can be your five, if he can keep his ERA at most, you know, a low four at the highest it gets, but go out there and give you starts. Because you think about it, even though he was injured for 2020 and only made nine starts in 2021, he made 32 starts in 18 and 32 starts in 19. 200 innings in 18, 184 innings in 19. So yeah, he had a down year in 2019. He led the league in losses and with 14. I understand that. I acknowledge that. But he's still eight innings. He was a workhorse. So if he can be your five, and even your five is an innings eater, that's solid because I really, I'm excited for both Steven Matz and Dakota Hudson. Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets came on and talked about how much of a great fit Steven Matz is for this Cardinal team. And I wholeheartedly agree with him. And I, I really am high on Dakota Hudson's ability to pitch. So if Dakota Hudson can sit, you know, somewhere between, you know, three and a half, a three seven ERA, you know, give you 30 starts, you know, keep the walk rate down, get the ground ball percentage up. That's the key because this starting rotation, you have a lot of similarities. You have some ground ball pitchers. You have guys that when they're right, don't walk people. They don't. Outside of Dakota Hudson, who has, you know, especially early, early in his career with the amount of movement he has on that sinker, has some high walk ratios and some high walk numbers. I acknowledge that. But when Miles Michaelis had his great year in 2018, he was walking 1.3 batters for every nine innings. Even in his down year in 2019, he was only walking 1.6. That, that, that's just re- remarkable. He gave up a lot of home runs in 2019. That was his problem. So Michaelis' key will be to keep the ball on the ground. Yet another reason for Miles Michaelis to keep the ball on the ground. All these guys, Matt, Hudson, Michaelis, they all have stuff that when it plays well, it's in the zone, it misses the barrel, it's get the ball on the ground. And even when the player does square one up and hit one on the ground deep in the hole, or down the third baseline, got some confidence in the guys in the infield to make the catch and to make the throw, to make the play. I think this the starting rotation could be something wonderful. And, you know, there were a lot of expectations last year as well for the starting rotation, and the injury bug hit them. You had Flaherty go down. You had underperformance hit them as well with Ponce de Leon and John Gant. Miles Michaelis wasn't able to make as many starts as he was expected to. Dakota Hudson was able to come back a little bit earlier. But it brings into question the depth. The depth will be the question again in 2022. Who do the Cardinals have waiting in the wings to replace these guys in the starting rotation? Alex Reyes is one of them. They're going to mold him as a starter. They took what they said. So we'll talk about Reyes as well as some other options coming up here in just a moment and finish out the show with my thoughts on the MOBPA and MOB uh, latest CBA conversations coming up in just a moment. But first, there's a message from Bet Online I want to share as they want to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond in our major sports that are active right now. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. There's a new updated desktop and mobile website, so be sure to sign up today. And if you sign up today, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% bonus to get you started. Whether it's football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, or your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, bet online is where the game starts.
Alex Reyes is an interesting um, profile to, to, to look at. Somebody that, that was highly touted, somebody that um, definitely had some injuries and some, some other things, things happened to him. But when you look at his minor league career, it's nothing super exceptional. He has a 3.53 ERA um, in 24 wins, 25 losses across 85 games, 82 of them being starts. He uh, has a 1.31 whip. He was, on, he was walking 4.7 batters for every nine innings. But he was striking out 12.4 batters for every nine innings. So you see the upside. You also saw the upside in his breakdown in terms of his splits in 2021 versus his first year, or first half of the year, and second half of the year. When you break it up first and second half, it, it, you already see the drastic measure. You can go deeper by months, but let's just go by first and second half. In the first half, so pre-All-Star break. 38 games, 1-5-2 ERA, across 41 and a third innings pitched. Struck out 54 batters and 41 innings pitched. You go to the second half, he had 5-5-2 ERA across 32 games, 31 innings pitched, gave up 24 hits, gave up 19 runs, 7 home runs in those 31 innings after just giving up 2 home runs and 41 in a third innings pitched. Um, the whip jumped up to 1.42. But you saw the upside. You, you, the, the stuff is there for Alex Ray. So he is an interesting light just went out. I apologize on YouTube. It's still pretty light out. You should be able to see. Um... You still see the upside in Alex Reyes. But this is somebody that has not started full-time in a very long time. He has not made a start at the major league level outside of one one one-inning start in 2020 dating back to 2016. Or excuse me, he again, one start in 2018. It was a four-inning start. He made five starts in 2016 and had a pretty exceptional 2016. And 46 innings pitched, he had a 1.57 ERA. He was four and one. He was just phenomenal that year. 52 strikeouts in 46 innings. The upside is there. It's just a matter of can he hone it in? And I, I, I'm, I struggle to put Alex Reyes back in the closer's role if he's not a starter. I think that Alex Reyes is a great spot man, but I also struggle to put him all the way back in the minor leagues. Don't think that that's that that's not going to happen. I don't think. But the, the, the depth is what, what the, the question mark is for this rotation. Because the first five, the front five are great. The, 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 the sum of the parts in the top five are great, if you ask me. I, I really like this Cardinal starting rotation going into 2022. One through five, I think if, if, if they're able to perform at the level that I think they will, then you're going to have a chance to win every every night. You know, obviously off nights happen, and I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to go 162-0 and or they're going to win 120 games or anything like that, but I think that this starting rotation gives you some, some confidence going into 2022. I truly do. The question is, when injuries happen, uh, what, what do you do? Matthew Libertor is an option. Zach Thompson. Uh, you've got Alex Reyes. Even Jordan Hicks has said that he wants to be molded into a starter. So you have options in the back end of the rotation to, to sub some pieces in. It's just a matter of how good are those subs. How good are, are the backups? And obviously they're backups, right? They're, they're, they're secondary options, or else they would have made the original starting rotation, obviously. But there still comes the question of, okay, where's the depth? And I think that that is something, you know, if the Colonels are able to get a couple more bullpen pieces, then you're able to have the flexibility to throw Reyes or even Hicks in a spot start if needed if you have other guys in the bullpen, which right now the Cardinals are still a bullpen armor or two short, right-hander and a left-hander in my opinion because you lost Andrew Miller, your other lefty, and you're down Luis Garcia. 
So I think they need two more bullpen pieces to feel comfortable in that bullpen. But this starting rotation, before I finish up the show with the CBA update, to me, this starting rotation is exciting. I really am excited for the starting rotation. Let me know what you think. Drop a comment in the YouTube video. Email the show, lockedoncards at gmail.com. Or DM me on Twitter at LJFastball. DM the show on Twitter or Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Let me know your thoughts. But the, to finish up the show, talking about the MLB and the MLBPA um, meeting today, a lot of reports saying that they're, you know, they're still not close to a deal. But the positive thing is that we have a meeting tomorrow. Or not we, I, like, I don't. You, Somebody listening might, but <laughs> I don't have a meeting tomorrow. But the MOBPA and MOB do have a meeting. And that's progress. That That is. You know, there, there's still a, a lack of confidence that this deal gets done anytime soon. But the progress that has been made is that we have a second meeting in consecutive days that we have not had this entire time. The last time I think they met for like seven, ten minutes or something like that. This time they met for a couple of hours conversations. This won't be resolved without conversations, without meeting times, and without just having more and more conversations and meeting more regularly. We saw how entertaining football was this weekend. How wonderful was that? And now we have baseball still in a lockout, and you know, I'm not saying the, the Major League Baseball can compete with the NFL's popularity right off the bat, but you're not helping yourself out when you're in a lockout while the NFL probably had one of its most exciting weekends in its history. So progress that we were able to see some movement and some some longer negotiations, uh, but we still might be uh, a number of weeks away or a long time away from a deal being reached between the Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball. Uh, that's all I've got today, but some exciting stuff coming in the next couple of days. MLB Hall of Fame is out tomorrow night, as well as we're going to have our first lo- uh, crossover with the new Locked On Cubs host, Andrew, uh, either uh, Wednesday or Thursday, depending on some recording time. Still working that out, but it uh, should be a good time. So I'd love to talk to you guys the next time. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.